Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone, from a rainy Hattiesburg. Kelly Sander from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, along with producer, engineer, and director Michael Mergens. On this Thursday, keep a, a weather eye as things are a little bit dicey around the area. On the program today, we're going to be talking with new men's basketball coach Jay Ladner. He's on the program with us. We'll have him for about a half an hour before they uh, rush him out of here like a presidential candidate and on, on to the next event. Uh, this first segment of the program brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Dickie's a big fan of this program, and we're a fan of theirs as well. Home, their, their meats are smoked uh, there every single day. And tonight, of course, the NFL draft, a lot of draft nicks around the area. You're going to be watching TV. Let the catering go to, you know, let Dickies handle all the catering for the guys that are coming over tonight for the draft. Lots of uh, side items that you can enjoy as well. Dickies Barbecue Pit, glad to have them with us. Jay Ladner moved to the Hattiesburg area when he was about five years old, but considers himself a homeboy. Absolutely. Uh, even mentioned in his press conference from Lamar Park. And as we welcome you, Coach, <laughs> I have to ask you about the Lamar Park comment right. because. It just so happens, and maybe a lot of people don't know this, but the great M.K. Turk actually lived That's in right. Lamar Park on Southeast Circle, That's probably not far from you. Uh, Coach lived probably, um, you know, as uh, that neighborhood, which was a really, really neat neighborhood. <laughs> a great, great place to, to move in at that time. A lot of kids at that time. Coach lived on the very backside uh, of, of, of the Lamar Park neighborhood, on, like you said, Southeast Circle. Probably about, uh, not city blocks, but... Uh, probably about three streets away from why we lived on Idlewild Drive. You would go about three or four more streets down, and again, he lived on the very back end of our neighborhood. So, yeah, absolutely. I used to, Coach used to, to people may not remember this because they may remember Coach's last few years, but Coach used to jog a lot he, to keep in condition, and he would always drive by. And, I, and I, as a little fella, I would be in my had a backyard basket like most kids did back in the 70s and be out there shooting ball. And Coach sometimes would dr- jog up in there and, uh, and, and, and come in there and talk to me and the other kids in the neighborhood encourage us, you know, a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I got a chance to, to grow up in the same neighborhood Coach lived in. I had to I had to ask, though, was it by coincidence that you happened to mention Lamar Park, considering Coach Turk lived there as well, or was it just pure No, I, I, I'll concept. be honest with you. I didn't, didn't, didn't have any intention uh, or draw that correlation, I guess. I, it just – that's where we grew up. And, yeah. and, you know, when my dad was a high school basketball coach, Kelly, uh, at, at Picayune uh, High School from 1960 to 70, and in 71, we moved to Hattiesburg. And I was five years old at the time. I had two older sisters, a younger brother. And uh, and, and, and we built a home out there. Well, you know, it became, as 
we've all gotten older, it became more in vogue to move west. But at the time, that was kind of out in the country, you know. And I made the comment the other day in the in the press conference. My good friend Forrest Phillips from here in town told me one time that the Ladners lived in Oak Grove when it wasn't cool. And I was really boring the comment that Forrest had made to me at one time. But, uh, you know. It, and that was probably about the extent it west. Really, it really was. I mean, everything. There was really nothing in between Highway 59. There was a service station there that's still there on the right. We used to call it Smith's. Uh, but it, it, you know, it, and it is still there. Right. But, but other than that, that was really about it. The we Coke were, plant, maybe the, the Coke plant was out there, much smaller than right. it was now. And then there, that was really just woods and, and whatnot, all the way till you got to. Then you had Lake Serene. That right. was kind of the next uh, 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 living area, residential area, was Lake Serene. So um, Old Lamar Park, I loved it. Had some great memories. I have nothing but great memories uh, growing up. And gosh, it's just amazing to me how Hattiesburg has grown, and especially in the Oak Grove area. The Southern Miss job that you now have, you actually interviewed for a time when Doc Sadler eventually got that job. It would be real easy, Jay, for people to say, you know what? You didn't want me then. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna entertain an interview now. It would have been real easy for somebody to say that to kind of get their feelings hurt that they were passed on before. Right. Your thoughts on that? Well, I, I you know, I, I certainly never looked at it like that. I, I've always, and, and I'm not trying to be in any way other than what I'm saying. It. I've always put my trust in the Lord, and I say, you know, I've asked any time I've ever been in a situation like that, dear Lord, hey do with me what you will and if it's not your will if it's your will I, I may get it I may have desired to get it but if I don't I don't get it hey that's that's the way it worked out you had a different plan for me and to be honest with you Kelly what ended up happening a few weeks later after not getting the job I do feel like the Lord was looking out for me at that time plus I needed some more seasoning I didn't realize that I ne- had no idea uh, what you deal with as a Division One head coach until I became a Division One head coach. So I think that my time, obviously not long after that, I, I well, I had actually just taken the job when the job came open. When Coach Tyndall left to go to Tennessee, I had just taken the job literally days before to go to southeastern Louisiana. I had been at Jones Junior College, if you remember. And uh, and, and the job came open. They, they contacted me. Uh, was one of the finalists for the job. Uh, Coach Sadler ended up getting the job, and then it was just a couple weeks later that the uh, the NCAA things hit. And 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 gosh, I, I felt bad for Doc at the time, and and I was really thankful that I, I didn't get it. And I, I want to interject this: I think Doc Sadler did an incredible job in very very tough circumstances uh, uh, of keeping the program viable and above water. So I, I, Doc's a great friend of mine. He and I actually spoke yesterday for a long time. And so. Uh, uh, but no, I never took it. I never took it like that, Kelly. That I was, uh, they, they, they. I wasn't good. I just said, hey, I, the Lord's got a different plan. And every job I've ever had, I've looked at as the best job I could have. You know. Uh, all right, so the comment that you that you just made that you need to be a little bit more seasoned. Yes. As, as you look back upon that now, what does that mean, Jay? How are you different today as a coach than you were well, five or six uh, years ago? Well, the the basketball part of it, certainly every good basketball coach is always growing and staying on top of trends and trying to become better as a basketball coach those things that actually happen on the floor become a better teacher better strategically tactically all those things but what I was not prepared for uh, that and, and I've, I've, I've got a rare Kelly a rare journey I've been a high school coach 
for a long time. I've been a junior college coach. I've been what most people would refer to as a low major coach or a low division level coach at Southeastern Louisiana. You've also been an athletic director. Yes, yes. I've been an athletic I've done. In fact, when you coach in high school, you do a lot of things. And all of those things, looking back, have helped prepare me for this day. And and But the biggest difference in coaching in high school, and certainly it stepped up a level when I was at Jones Junior College, but go to Division One. you spend so much time over the course of the day not doing things that directly affect the tactics and strategy of a basketball player or a team. You spend so much more time administratively and making very small decisions about budgets and things like that. It can, you know, for instance, I'll give you an example. At Southeastern Louisiana, we did not have – at that level, uh, your son played at Northwestern State in the Southland Conference. I'm certain it was somewhat similar. Uh, you, you, We have to make our, – our, our budgets were limited, and so like our recruiting budget, we had to make a decision. I may have – there may be a young man, and let's just say you're an Iowa guy. Let's use Iowa as an example. Uh, uh, that's an Iowa that I really may have seen at a camp or, you know, a showcase AAU team, and, and I really felt like that he would be a good fit for us. I had to make a budgetary decision. Can do we have the resources to recruit the young man the way he's going to require to be recruited to get him to come to Southeastern Louisiana, which would have required dedicating a lot of time to one of my assistant coaches in, in finances all day long. Those those are the type of small decisions that were made that would have, affect your program. So I really think that it it kind of hones your skills to be able to evaluate, but not only to evaluate to is this young a young man that we can get to come to Southeastern Louisiana. If we didn't think that we had a great opportunity to get him there. We would just simply have to go on to somebody else that we felt like was more attainable. It, those are, that's a small example of the many things, and obviously the public relations and all the things that go along with uh, uh, running a, uh, uh, properly running a Division One program. You mentioned the Southland Conference, and I bring up that conference because those that might have an outsider looking in might have said, you know. Ladner's resume is win-loss record at Southeastern, not necessarily anything to write home about. But as I made a point last week on here, when you are a coach in the Southwest Conference, in the Southland, you have to go to Texas A&M and yeah. get your brains beat out. <laughs> you have to go to Texas to get your brains beat out, simply to financially make the ends meet. Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm, I appreciate, uh, Kelly, and it, certainly anybody that knows very much about the landscape of Division One basketball, understands those things um but but in, if uh, super talk goes across the state and and you mentioned our, our record first of all we've won everywhere we've been we you know our high school uh, i was very proud of what we accomplished st stanislaus and perennial state championship uh, uh com- competing for state championships each year we went to jones we won the national championship at jones uh we went to we, we took a situation out in southeastern louisiana and again i've never been one to uh, criticize or whatever, but it was down on its luck. Let's let's just maybe put it like that, down on its luck. And and uh, by the time we got the job, very somewhere to here, recruiting it was almost over for that year. Um, uh, had not won many games the year before, uh, so we had to just start at a baseline. I know we're heading to a break. Very good yeah, for I you. I got it. Well, I heard I heard that I heard my favorite song yeah, in the background. And there you go. And we're going to continue with that thought as we continue on the other side of the the break with uh, Coach Jay Ladner. And then we're going to ask him now that he's here. What on his punch list is he going to share with us some of the top things that he wants to get accomplished as the new head men's basketball coach at Southern Miss? It's the Eagle Hour on our Super Talk Network of Stations, and we'll continue after this break.
Southern Miss to the top. The Eagle Hour continues in segment two, sponsored by a campus bookmark in Hattiesburg, right across from the main campus at Southern Miss. It's the big yellow building. You've been told a hundred times, oh, you can't miss it. You cannot miss Campus Bookmark. Went, went in there. I, can can, I, can, can <laughs> I plug Campus Bookmark? Go in there the other day. Stayed at the, they, uh, the school was nice enough to put me in the beautiful Indigo Hotel, Hotel Indigo, right yeah. there. I love Midtown. What a, what a great selling point, not only for our city, but for We miss a, Elam Arms. Yeah, but, yeah. Right. <laughs> We're not going to talk about what we used to call that place. But anyway, uh, the, the, it, Elam, it's time had come. Right, mm-hmm. right, Kelly. So, so uh, but going campus, but Mark, those ladies in there are super. They got anything and everything Southern Miss, you know, and I, 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 I've probably spent my first paycheck in there. Uh, the other day, really excited buying gifts for people and so forth. But anyway, I, I, great place. To, to finish up on what yeah. you were talking about, you talk, that that you had to, in the Southland Conference, you had to play quote unquote money games, yes. you know, to make. But but when it comes to the conference record and even the overall record, it steadily got yeah. better. And the, and the fact that that Southeastern had had an NCAA issue, like Southern Miss is now coming off of, you think that that actually helped you get this job? I, I Well, I do. I, I certainly think that I was well prepared. I really think that every stop that I've ever had I've been has prepared me for this day. And I even said that during the interview. I, 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 I told Dr. Bennett and, and, and Jeremy McClain, Jeff Mitchell, that when I was talking to him, I said, I haven't just prepared for the last five years. I've been preparing for this job really my whole life. And I think every, every experience that I've had, whether in coaching and off the floor and professional experiences, have prepared me for this job. And I'm, I'm super blessed uh, to be here. But, but as far as our accomplishments at, at Southeastern Louisiana, and I've, I've, I heard someone say the other day, well, it was one loss record. Well, if you compare apples and apples, and, I'm, I'm, and people can think of whatever they want, certainly for anybody that's been negative, there have been 400 that are so super excited and, and, and for us to be here. But we inherited a program that was on NCAA probation, had nothing to do with anything that we had done. It was simply – was really a more of an administrative issue there at Southeastern Louisiana. We were reduced in scholarships. Very similar situation to what we've inherited at Southern Miss. Uh, got got in there. Uh, the program had again been on hard times. Unfortunately, in our business, that's usually why there are coaching changes. Rarely do they happen like Doc's happen, and and Doc uh, uh, ended up leaving. He didn't leave on. He didn't have to leave. You know, and. Uh, so uh, we, we we go down there our first year, probably one of the uh, – I, if I had a better – if you had to ask me which was your best coaching job, I would probably say that first year. We won nine games our first year. Second year we won 12. Third year we – we did it with a program designed for the long term. We could have taken a shortcut, got taken graduate transfers. We started with freshmen. Uh, we, our real, our first signing class was really our second year because we were late getting the job. Signing was over with. We played with the hand that we were dealt. We we laid a great foundation. The second year we we began playing with freshmen. One of them ended up being a young man named Marlon Veal who. Uh, if anybody saw the nat- the dunk contest on at the Final Four, he was one of those young men, a dynamic five six point guard from from New Orleans. He was the only time that we had ever that in the history of Southeastern Louisiana that uh, they had ever signed the the Louisiana Player of the Year. And again, a little bit of a smallish player. We also signed a young man named Moses Greenwood, whose dad anybody that knows anything about the Steel Curtain Pittsburgh Steelers, his uncle L. C. Greenwood played for that. Moses played at Velma Jackson High School right outside of. Canton, Mississippi, use some of our connections there. Those are two young men that we recruited, that we sold nothing but a vision. They came in, but we started with freshmen. So they, those young men won 12 games their first year, 
16 games, had the first winning season in over a decade down there, the second year. The third year we won, the, won our league, won 22 ball games, got an NIT bid. We got beat in our conference championship game on the last, when, the last few seconds and had another great season this past season. So I'm really proud of what we accomplished. I don't care what the overall record is. You mentioned money games. Any, another thing, anybody knows anything about uh, some of the uh, our financial uh, obligations uh, to help make ends meet, Kelly? Uh, we would we would be required to go go play for for guarantees, and that that requires us. Most of our non conference games uh, would be on the road. Uh, ask ask Jackson State, ask Alcorn State what what playing Mississippi Valley, uh, what money games would be. So you you spend basically your entire non conference on the road playing Power Five schools. We were we played Gonzaga. We took them to the wire, by the way. Cal, uh, Texas A and M, TCU, Colorado State, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Cincinnati. I, I, uh, Mississippi State, um, excuse me, Ole Miss, LSU, uh, certainly two. I can go on and on about the type of teams we play, but we had to do those on the road. Those are very difficult to win. In our league, we, we, we had a three-year record, the, big, the most wins in school history over a three-year period, the most wins in a, a single season. Um, I can go on and on about the things that were accomplished in our program. And I know you got to get out of here, so I want to be able to talk about the, Absolutely. the things ahead. Now, your, your NIT teammates, Gerardo Hinton, was on this program. He said Jay Ladner was the first guy in the gym. He was the last guy to leave, worked his tail off. He said not necessarily notable for most basketball players, except Jay, with all due respect, didn't have a lot of playing time. Right. But was still the first guy in the gym, the last guy to leave, and worked his butt off, which is why Gerardo Hinton and the rest of your NIT teammates said yeah. he's the guy that Southern Miss needs. So your laundry list now, Jay, with what you're comfortable in sharing, what are some things you want to get done right away and the overall outlook for your tenure? Well, I want to say this. I'm so thankful to my – all those – I think there was no coincidence, Kelly, why that NIT team was so successful. Not just that team, but we've had a lot of success there. You know, that the team that came late just after that with – uh, Darren Chancellor and, and D.C. was actually a, a freshman when I was a senior, but uh, D.C. And, and, and Russell Johnson and Deron Jenkins and Spoon, you know, that what, those were great basketball teams, and those were NIT, I mean, excuse me, NCAA teams, you know, and it's, uh, some of Coach Turk's last teams. And so, uh, but what we want to get accomplished, I, we want to, first of all, we want to, uh, I want to let people know that it can be done here. Uh, I used the, the term last week at the press conference, it's time and we can, and Kelly, we can, because we've seen it, you've seen it, you were that you were around at that time, you, you've seen it, where you get to the Coliseum, you better have your tickets, or you better have season tickets, uh, the student section was filled hours before game time, there were lines, there were people... Uh, you know, Duke didn't just invent the 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 where the tents and so forth. The students that was happening at Southern Mississippi back in the '80s. Credit to Coach Turk and, and Coach McKinnis and Coach Moore and Coach Mike Jones, our, our, our entire staff at that time for doing those things. That's what can be done. So first of all, I want to have a vision of what we want University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagle basketball to be about. And then the second, the 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 next thing. So we want, and then we want to certainly reconnect to the fans. There won't you ask me, thank goodness, Kelly, to be on this show, I will never turn down an opportunity to speak on behalf of our university or our program. And I, I told Dr. Bennett that. He was a little bit stunned that I would say that. I, I'll be, if, if I can logistically be there, I'm going to be there. If I can't, we'll take a rain check and I will schedule it when I can be there. But I'm going to do that. So I think the fact of getting out in the community, getting our staff out in the community, but let's face it, the bottom line, Kelly, eventually that may all work to get people back interested. The bottom line to keeping people interested in our program and then therefore building 
building on that success to, is to get better players. We have to get better. We've got a great group of young men that we had our first practices this week. Great group. We have to get more and better players, and it's got to start right here at home in recruiting, starting right here in Hattiesburg, and then expanding that recruiting base to where the University of Southern Mississippi has a great imprint. And here's one thing I don't. I think that we may have missed in the past that Coach Turk I think did a great job. If you look at all those Southern Mississippi teams. And you start looking at where those hometowns are. Richton, Utica, Collins, Collinsville. Shabuda. Shabuda, <laughs> Waynesboro, right. Jimmy Smith, sure. Randy Pass, uh, 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 Columbia. You see that the core of those basketball teams, uh, and, and, and certainly uh, uh, Russell Johnson and all those, Deron Jenkins, Spoon, all Mississippi guys. We have to establish Southern Mississippi basketball right here. All right, and then I don't think that if we can't get the best players in Mississippi to stay home, how are we going to go to to New York or to Iowa and, and get their best players? I don't think that works like that. We're going to establish ourselves at home, and we're going to do that. One, but I've coached high school basketball here for 21 years. There's not a high school in Mississippi that I don't have a, a contact, or one of my staff has a contact with. I coach junior college basketball in one of the best junior college leagues in the country at Jones Junior College. Every single basketball coach in, inside that outstanding league is an opportunity. And then because I've been at Southeastern Louisiana, we've cultivated the same recruiting ground that Southern Miss has because of our location there, just being a short distance away. But in your words, you said now that you're at Southern Miss, you, quote, can get traction yes. with some of these players that you might not have been able to get to go to That's Hammond. That's a great point. What I, what I mean by that, Kelly, you understand, and I know you're clarifying this for the folks that are listening today, what we mean by that is simply – um, uh, I never would – at Southeastern, I'm prideful. I never allowed us to determine to use low major. But let's face it, a young man growing up and maybe in, in Baton Rouge or New Orleans because of that proximity, they didn't really grow up wanting to play at Southeastern. They may have wanted to play at LSU. At Southern Miss, there are young men that grow up want to play at Southern Miss. That's that's how I can really illustrate the difference. And if we so a lot of times we could go recruit a higher level. Now we we were able to get some, but we would have to go recruit a higher player. Generally, uh, here if we go toe to toe with an old Mister State, we can go toe to toe with an old Mister State. We have enough tradition. We have enough support. There's enough great things already in place there. There's nothing that's happening at Southern Mississippi that can't that's keeping us from accomplishing and our goals and bringing Southern Mississippi basketball to what we all expect. And if you didn't hear anything that Coach Jay Ladner just said, let me repeat out of his mouth just a moment ago, and I might be paraphrasing a little, we can go head-to-head with Ole Miss and Mississippi it's not, State. It's not that we can, and I have great respect for Kermit. I have great respect for Ben Howland at Mississippi State. But but we, we can, it's time, and we can, and we will. Jake, continued success. I'm Kelly, best of thank you all for having me on. I'm very honored. Lo- love being on here. And if you ever want me in the future, I'll, I promise you, I'm a phone call away. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Patrick, we'll get the professor on the line, see what's going on at the Biloxi Sun-Herald and how this new one-cent uh, increase in hotel-motel tax will affect Southern Miss. That's next. you 
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Rainy around the southern part of the state, but always sunny and dry here in our First Bank studios in Hattiesburg. Kelly Sander today with uh, Michael Mergens on the Eagle Hour. Glad that you're with us across the state on our Super Talk affiliates. Uh, glad to have Jay Ladner, who insisted on coming to the studio today. As you guys know who listen to this program, lots of our interviews are on the phone. But Jay said, no, I'm, I'm come to the studio and let's let's do it the right way. I said, you are certainly welcome. Glad to have him here and actually have his cell number now, his personal cell number. So, um, And that doesn't happen very often. So um, glad to have Jay on the program. This segment brought to you by our friends at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Whether you're pre-gaming for tonight's NFL draft or pre-gaming for a baseball game at Southern Miss or a football game at The Rock, 4th Street Bar and Grill is always the place to check out before and after. And don't forget their uh, lunch plate specials every day, $8.95, including a drink. Pool tables there for you to enjoy and lots of good um, Southern Miss sports talk. That's at 4th Street Bar and Grill, right across the Highway 49 Bridge in the shadow of The Rock at M.M. Roberts Stadium. Joining us now on the Super Talk Mississippi Hotline, as he always does on Thursday, the Professor Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Patrick, as we welcome you in today, um, what do you, of course, the politically now, the, the one the one cent increase in the hotel, motel, uh, restaurant tax in Hattiesburg will go into, into place as I understand, either June or July 1st. Uh, what, what are you hearing from the Southern Miss folks as to what they want to earmark this for? And going forward, what does it look like? Well, I think early on you'll see them kind of commit to some of the things that the city wanted uh, to improve in the arena and just make it more uh, uh, functional for, say, concerts and stuff like that. So we're talking about lighting, uh, restrooms, uh, some other stuff like surrounding that. So it's it's not going to be – fans probably aren't going to see a dramatic difference uh, early on. This this is, you know, I, I, some people don't like the term piecemeal, uh, but I think that's what we'll kind of see over time uh, as the revenue kind of begins to pile in, uh, come in. And uh, there's a potential this could turn him from a, a three-year uh, deal to a seven-year deal if both the legislature and the uh, city council approve it once the three years are kind of coming to an end. Uh, so – uh, this is as the revenue comes in, they'll just find different things that they can improve with the Coliseum. But early on, I would expect you know stuff like lighting and restrooms to be improved. I've, I've always you talked about that that sunset and how it's it's only good initially for three years, but could go on. I've never known, and of course, I'm that guy. All right, I'm Mister Cynical, Mister Jaded. I've never seen a political body give you know stop a tax. When they could, when they could, it just seems that the taxes go on and on. But um, but lots of other things that the city has in store, including um, parks and recreation and some infrastructure things. Um, big win for Southern Miss. The Eagles appear appear now to be back on track. The sweep of Charlotte last weekend, uh, not necessarily a big surprise, but. Big come-from-behind win against uh, the Raging Cajuns on Tuesday in a, a massacre last night down at New Orleans where they uh, got back at the privateers. What would, how would you describe the state of the, the baseball Eagles at this point, Patrick? Well, I mean, they're going to have to score a lot of runs uh, to win games, and they've begun to do that here in the last few uh, games. But, you know, we've seen these little, uh, you know, four- to five-game game stretch during this, the all season where they kind of find their way and get things going, and they suffer a setback. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, I think this is a really good sign. It seems like Matt Walner really starts to hit the ball better as his temperature rises. And I, I think that's what we're seeing out of him and, and the team as a whole. Uh, the, you know, the talent's always been there to be able to produce at the plate and stuff like that. And they've got enough pitching. You know, they're not 
uh, dominating opponents all that often on the mound, but they've got more than enough to put them in position to win pretty much every game. So as long as they're hitting the ball like they are right now with uh, uh, Bryant Bowen, uh, I've always liked him as a hitter. It's just been tough to get him a lot of at-bats with the way Cole Donaldson plays behind the plate. So to be able to put Bowen in there at DH and, and have him become one of the hottest hitters in the, not only in the conference but in the in the country, I think that with the hit streak sitting at 22. Uh, so it's uh, pretty impressive what Bowen's done. He's really been a difference maker for the team. When you look at RPI, and we're going to talk about the Massey ratings in the final segment here on the Eagle Hour in a little bit, but really you can shake out all these different ratings but, but when it comes down to it, Patrick, true that regardless of what happens, it looks like right now the Conference USA is a one-bid team in postseason. Or what – yes, and if so, what, what would that – what would the league have to do in order for that to change? Well, I, I think there's – you get three teams that are probably in the hunt with Southern Miss, FAU, and Louisiana Tech. So I, I think in the end there will probably be two teams. I don't know. It will just kind of depend how the next few – uh, games play out now that Southern Miss FAU series goes. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, there were projections that were leaving Southern Miss out this week. Uh, most projections in recent weeks have Southern Miss is at least a three seed somewhere. Uh, so I think the sweep of Charlotte and winning these two midweek games uh, puts Southern Miss in a better position. I would say Southern Miss at the moment is probably a three seed. I haven't looked at their RPI today, but I know it was in the kind of the low 50s. Uh, coming in, so uh, not really many RPI wins to speak of here lately, but uh, and they won't really have much of an opportunity against Middle Tennessee. That's why the FAU series is so important. Uh, they're pretty solid in terms of RPI, and that'll be a uh, have a lot to say in who wins the regular season title and who who puts themselves in a position to get maybe in that large bid. So the spring game is now behind us, and, and because of the, the quirky baseball schedule, you know, it, it wasn't a, a big sports weekend necessarily because the baseball team was on the road when they're normally at home during the spring game. But what would you think, uh, and, and purely speculation, but from, from what you've learned, what did Jay Hobson and his staff take out of spring training that they maybe didn't expect to take out of spring training? Uh, well, I, I think... Uh, well, maybe one impression you walk away is that Tate Watley really had a good spring, especially closing out the last few, get, the last few practices in that spring game. He looked really strong throwing the football. Uh, I think the, the expectation all along is that Abraham was going to be that start quarterback, but I think Watley gave them something to think about. At the very least, you know, maybe revert back to what they did late last year where both uh, guys were on the field uh, through those last, say, two or three games where they put it, you know, Watley's a little bit better of an athlete. Uh, maybe they have to kind of go back to find ways to get Watley on the field because he threw the ball very well in the spring game. Uh, I mean, he he really kind of outplayed Jack. I mean, Jack was fine, but Watley just had a big day. Uh, but overall, I, I think takeaway is that defense is not going to have a step back this year. Uh, they have a chance to be very good. The schedule is going to be tougher, so maybe the numbers won't be as impressive as they were a year ago defensively. But uh, just overall, I don't really see a, a true weakness other than just a little bit of inexperience in in the linebacking core, especially at the Mike position, uh, where you'll have a, a first-year starter or probably in a Santrell Latham. Uh, but overall, I think they're more athletic. Uh, you know, in the front seven, maybe a little faster their linebacker, and and uh, Jacquez Turner has, has moved into that hybrid position there at the end. Uh, and he's you know he's always been a good athlete. He's maybe not the prototypical there. He's not a six-three guy that's really rangy, but he's a great athlete that can cover enough ground and. And maybe that will kind of prevent a lot of double teams that he faced last year. So 
I think the Southern Miss defense has a chance to be very, very good this year. But when you talk to Southern Miss Golden Eagle football fans who are outsiders looking in, going into spring training, of course, they all say, we do, we've our offensive line has just got to we've got to improve on the offensive line i'm I'm tired of the mm-hmm. bubble screens and thing you know right. quick releases by the quarterbacks so how much progress how would you describe the progress the o line made this spring i think it was it was good I think there was obvious progress that you know talking about Watley and Abraham both being pretty good in the spring game is they had time to throw the football uh you know there were sacks, but that's going to happen in the spring game spring game and there's quick you know whistles. Uh, to avoid any contact or anything like that. But I thought the offensive line dealing with injuries with Dorbeck out and Clopton not out there, I thought the offensive line really kind of held its own uh, for the most part against a really good defense. So it was a positive sign. I thought there was was genuine progress made um, by Ryan Stanchek in his first spring as the offensive line coach. I I think those guys responded to him, and he's really kind of challenged some experienced guys to step up. Uh, you know, and, and Dorbeck may even, you know, he may not be first string to start the fall. He may have some work to do to get back into the first string unit. And, and Clopton, I think, will probably plug in at center once he's healthy. But overall, I, I think there's good depth on the offensive line. And I'm not saying this is a dominant group, but I just, I just saw. Uh, obvious progress there in the spring and in the spring game. Patrick McGee is with us from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. He's the Southern Miss beat reporter, and you can follow Patrick all over social media. Patrick, all the draft nicks in the country are fired up about tonight. This is Christmas morning for a lot of people who love the right. NFL draft. What are the prognosis for uh, for any Golden Eagles, including Picasso Nelson, maybe to get drafted tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think Picasso Nelson is the one guy that gives Southern Miss a chance of getting drafted. He had a good pro day, and and ran really well, and I think he's the one guy that gives Southern Miss a chance of getting drafted. I don't see anybody else, unless there's somebody just kind of flying under the radar that I haven't heard of. But I would think at this point uh, Nelson's probably going to at least be a free agent, and he'll probably get scooped up pretty quickly. Uh, but, you know, I, as an older player coming out of college, uh, a little bit of mileage on him, you know, compared to some of the younger guys coming out. Maybe Nelson's not that far up the board, uh, but he's a very smart guy, has a lot of attributes he would need. Uh, to become a pro football player. So I think somebody's going to give Picasso a chance, but at this point I don't think anybody's going to get drafted, but I think Picasso has that outside shot. Boy, you know that you're dealing in a world that you're unfamiliar with when a, when a sports reporter like Patrick McGee says Picasso Nelson has some miles on him at age 22. <laughs> Or 23. Oh, my goodness. Patrick, you put my life under perspective, and with that, I'm going to go jump off a bridge. Hey, great to have you, man. Thanks so much for joining us on the Eagle Hour. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Patrick McGee, as he joins us every Thursday to get us uh, his perspective on what's going on athletically at Southern Miss, we'll take a look at the Massey ratings and the Southern Miss baseball schedule ahead and how that plugs into the win-loss situation. That's next as the Eagle Hour continues. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. From the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg, Kelly Sander along with Michael Mergens behind the scenes making everything work for you. Luke Johnson off today. Bob Getty on vacation. We'll be back uh, mid-next week, I believe, on the program. Tomorrow, we're going to be live from Sully's in South Hattiesburg. Sully's voted 
best tasting hamburger in the Hattiesburg area. I don't know how many times it's been voted best hamburger. And now they have a new location in Pedal as well. But we're going to be uh, live at Sully's in the South Hattiesburg location. And we're going to be talking with Tim Doherty, who's a beat writer for Southern Miss uh, for the Clarion Ledger, was a longtime writer with the Hattiesburg American. And we'll be talking with their proprietors, too, at Sully's live on location tomorrow at Sully's on the Eagle Hour. And we hope that you will uh, join us tomorrow as you do every day. We were talking with Patrick McGee a little bit earlier about the RPI and and uh, things that go into determining at-large bids for teams that don't necessarily win their conference tournaments. One of the things, one of the rating services I like, and uh, they, they don't pay us to say this, I just think it's really cool, and I think as a, as a sports fan, you would too, the Massey ratings, M-A-S-S-E-Y, ratings.com, <clears throat> excuse me, and they they have ratings for just about everything, including junior college sports, it's a NAIA sports all across the country. The Massey ratings are, are, are so much fun to go through and look at. So I wanted to go through and take a look at the Massey ratings as of today. All right. They were just updated last night. They're updated just about every day, uh, although not always. And the biggest mover in the Massey ratings of Conference USA baseball teams was Southern Miss. The Eagles are up 14 spots in the Massey ratings and are now... 47th in the Massey ratings. Now, when you take a look at other teams in the league, Louisiana Tech is at 35 in the Massey ratings. Florida Atlantic is 40. And by the way, I'm sure you probably already know this because you you probably uh, have a student or some friends over in the Ruston, Louisiana area, but a tornado ripped the campus up uh, last night. Two deaths have been reported. Uh, Terrible, terrible news out of Ruston. And so... I don't know how, obviously, that's going to affect the Bulldog baseball program, but the Love Shack is torn up. Uh, their J.C. Love Field is, is torn up. They're, they're not going to be able to use that park the rest of the season. So this could totally, uh, at no fault of their own, this could totally put the, the Bulldog baseball program in upheaval. And Lane Burroughs, the coach there, was a former assistant at Southern Miss, so we certainly wish them the best. But the Massey ratings right now have the Bulldogs 35th. Their overall record is 28-13. and 13. Florida Atlantic is 40th. They are 28 and 12. Then come the Eagles in 47th. Again, up 14 spots. The Eagles are 26 and 13. Really, once you take those three, once you skim that off the top of the coffee, then there's not a whole lot left. And just a couple of teams that even have winning records. After the top three, the only two teams with winning records are Old Dominion and Marshall. And of course, the Eagles handled Old Dominion uh, easily earlier in the year. Old Dominion, by the way, is the next team in line. So you go from Southern Miss, which is third in the league at 47, dropping all the way down to 102, where Old Dominion checks in. UT San Antonio is 126. Rice is 129. Marshall is 150. UAB 164. Then comes Western Kentucky at 171. Florida International at 174. Middle Tennessee at 185. And then Charlotte who Southern Miss handled easily this past weekend, comes in at 214. So even though Southern Miss swept Charlotte, not really going to help their RPI or Massey ratings by the fact that um, Charlotte <coughs> excuse me, dropped 19 spots and is 214th overall. Looking at the Southern Miss baseball schedule going forward, of course the Eagles will travel to Murfreesboro this coming weekend to take on the Blue Raiders of Middle Tennessee. That's a favorable schedule and a matchup for the Eagles. <clears throat> excuse me, these allergies still killing me. I know a lot of you are in the same boat I'm in. 
Then probably the biggest series of the season so far, as you heard Patrick McGee allude to just a, a few moments ago, because Florida Atlantic then comes in here, and that's a team that the Eagles are going to be battling for seeding in the Conference USA tournament and maybe an at-large bid, depending on how things shake out. But, but FAU comes to Hattiesburg. So that's big. Then after that series with FAU, then the Eagles have two following weekends are both favorable matchups, even though the matchup with the Rice Owls will be in Houston. You know, Rice certainly not the team that they've been in the past, but they have been better lately. They're still not even at 500 yet, but, but that's a series that would be big. But the Eagles haven't played necessarily very well on the road. I mean, when you look at the splits of home and, and away record, uh, two completely different teams. But that third weekend uh, going forward, Southern Miss will be at Rice. And then the Golden Eagles will end the regular season at home against UAB. And that's another uh, favorable matchup because uh, UAB has not had the season that they've expected. They're 17-24 and 24 overall. So when you look at the final four series that Southern Miss has in Conference USA – Three of them are teams that they should be able to handle, just based on ratings and records and so on. Of course, the games have to be played, obviously. We get that. But when you've got series with Middle Tennessee, Rice, and UAB, those are all winnable series. FAU might be tougher, you know, but... Any wins that they can garner that that can help, you know, their standings and put wins under their belt is certainly going to look favorable to the uh, to the committees uh, if the Eagles don't win the Conference USA tournament, which we think they're going to and hope that they do to lock that down. But uh, that's the latest we have for you on the Massey ratings, keeping you up to date. That'll do it for this Thursday. Again, tomorrow we'll be at Sully's in South Hattiesburg as we take the the Eagle Hour on the road. Glad to have you with us on this Thursday. For producer, engineer, director Michael Mergens, I'm Kelly Sander from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. Thanks for joining us. And as always, Southern Miss. To the top. I want to fly like an eagle to the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.